Welcome back, everybody, to the High Conflict Co-Parenting Podcast with Brooke Olson. And my special guest this week is Ross Rosenberg. Um, Ross is joining us today. He's a master psychotherapist, author of the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome. He's a public speaker, an expert witness, an educator. Ross has single-handedly updated and renamed and reconceptualized codependency codependency to self-love deficit disorder. I love that piece. And just that when I saw that, I reached out and I went, this is good stuff. Well, thank you. Also, um, the treatment for self-love deficit disorder, self-love recovery, his contributions to this area of psychology have created hope, direction, and a path out of narcissistic abuse, gaslighting, and childhood trauma. Thank you so much for joining me here today, Ross. You know, we've had a little bit of conversation going into this. And my goal with these with these podcasts is to educate people mm-hmm. in areas that are beyond my grasp, but also to bring in new concepts so people can start to internally process what's going on in their world. And we're talking about high conflict divorce and custody situations that so often are fulcrumed off of this narcissistic or the borderline types of personalities. And in order, I think at least, and I'm going to turn this over to you in a moment, but for me, that's not the problem. The problem is, is how we deal with what we're in the middle of and to find the off-ramp, to find ways to heal our own pieces of self-love deficit disorder and to begin to change how we interact with those personalities so we can move away, so we can disengage from them. So thank you again for coming in. I am so excited to to have this conversation with you. And I, I think I'm going to start, if I may. Can with I? What, yeah, go ahead. It's so nice to be on here, Brooke. Um, you came so highly recommended from a colleague. Um, and and I did some research. And you're, you're at the top of the food chain. You're the best. You are the most informed, um, the most uh, fluent in the multi-dimensional aspects of this process. And it's truly impressive. And so congratulations for your work. And and thank you for um, having me on your podcast. Thank you so much. So the the piece that hooked me in was your pyramid. (laughs) It was like, there's, there's a basic piece. There's a symbolic component of the essence of what this is about. I love it. The essence. I love your passion, man. <laughs> and for those who can't see it, that was a really passionate, uh, almost Italian. This is important stuff with his hand forward. Yes. So, so I, I'd like you to describe that for a moment and and sure. tell the listeners how you got there. And And oh, by the way, just so the listeners can see that in real time, if they care to, um, let them know what your um, website is so they can go in, yeah. open that up and see this in real time. Yeah. And actually, uh, I'm actually closing down uh, my email program because I keep hearing beeps. So if I look distracted, um, um, I'm on my ADD medicine. So I think I'm good to go. But 
I need those signs. So um, let me answer your question this way um, and give it a broader context. You know, I created the idea of the human magnet syndrome about 15 years ago, the understanding that there are no coincidences, codependence, which I would later call self-love deficiency, who have self-love deficit disorder. From this point on, codependency is SLDD. Mm -hmm. Codependents are SLD, self-love deficient or self-love deficit disorder. So I created the idea that SLDs almost always at a high 95% are attracted to pathological narcissists. And, and that was the basis for what would become my human magnet center book. Um, the reason I did that was I had been in and out of relationships, marriages with pathological narcissists, and no one knew what it was. They just kept saying, well, it's codependency. Well, okay, fine. But what is codependency? And then you, the definition of codependency is like, um, for most people, it's a whole book. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, as a psychotherapist, disorders, people need to know what a disorder is. So if, if you have uh, malaria, you know, you got five or six symptoms. If you have generalized anxiety disorder, five or six symptoms. So in the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, I, I wanted to create very specific definitions so that we could understand, like, like a scientist, understand what are we dealing with. So what preceded the, the pyramid was the definition, the very simple definition that codependency, which had not yet been defined as SLDD, is um, an individual and a relationship disorder in which a person gives all or the preponderance of the love, respect, caring, trust, and protection uh, to a person with hopes that it's mutual and re reciprocated. And because of the human magnet syndrome, they're attracted to a narcissist. It isn't. And they stay in a relationship, try to make it reciprocated, and it doesn't happen. So codependency is the person who gives all the love, respect, care, trust, protection, doesn't get it back and stays in a relationship. Boom, that's it. And then I talk about all the different personality types and traits. And that revolutionized, I believe, the field because now it just simplified what codependency is instead of this rambling, almost ambiguous explanation of personality type. And then over time, I became more and more dissatisfied, almost, I hate to say, disgusted with um, the um, stigmatization, stigmatization stigmatizing, <laughs> uh, stigmatizing of the term codependency. And so I needed to come up with a, a replacement term. And one day it happened. It was self-love deficit disorder because I came to understand that every codependent has a deficiency in self-love. And so I, that is, was the birth of SLDD. And so Back in the day, I had my pyramid, and my pyramid was once three levels. And so I wanted to explain, okay, so now that I explained what codependency is, now let's explain what SLDD is, so that this explanation would actually open the doors for treatment. And so now the, the SLDD, aka codependency pyramid, exemplifies exactly what it is in a very simplistic manner. It is a disorder that is caused by attachment trauma at the very uh, bottom of, of the pyramid, which is a, uh, it's a disruption um, or, a, or a lack of nurturing during a child's most important developmental phase. 
um, the attachment phase. And, and so that's called attachment trauma. And that happens when you have a narcissistic parent and a codependent parent. They go together via the human magnet syndrome. From attachment trauma, the trauma of not being um, loved, respected, cared, trusted, and protected comes core shame. The next level of the pyramid, which is this fundamental feeling of not being worthy, being broken, not being love, love, uh, lovable, and this need to um, um, suspend your own needs in order to take care of everyone else in order to find some form of safety in the world. From there is pathological loneliness. And every SLD, every codependent, they identify with this. They will tell you that that term resonates. It is a feeling, it's an existential disease. It's a feeling of not feeling comfortable in your own skin. This, this bone aching pain of loneliness when you're not in a relationship. And that goes away when you're in a relationship. The next one is SLDD or codependency addiction, which is this compulsion to find a way to make the pain go away. And that, and the addiction is to a relationship. Um, and of course, because of the human magnet syndrome, it's always gonna be a narcissist. So then the relationship takes away the pathological loneliness, the core shame, but um, and that is so persistent that if you've ever know a codependent, should they try to break away, quit or divorce, they go through the equivalent of withdrawal symptoms. Therefore, pathological loneliness is the withdrawal symptom. And at the very top of the pyramid is everything we know about codependency, traits, behaviors, characteristics. And what I demonstrate with the pyramid is that what people thought was codependency is not, it's just the traits. The codependency is an attachment disorder that is fueled by core shame, pathological loneliness, and this addictive compulsion to make the, co the pain go away with the choice of the narcissist for the relationship partner. We talked a little bit about this before we started the, the podcast. And <clears throat> I, I, I had this wonderment when we were talking about, um, you know, the attachment trauma. And we discussed a little bit about the attachment trauma, the the places around the narcissism, if you will, as what, what I was feeling like is there's a mirror here to some degree. There's, there's that same components that are in the development of that narcissistic personality disorder, the core shame, the disconnection, the loneliness as being a part of that. And, um, I, I have a wonderment about your thought about that because I, you know, these two obviously match up together. They go hand in hand with one another, but in expression, they're different. What are your thoughts on that? Um, attachment. Okay. SLDD codependency is an attachment trauma disorder, but that name causes more, okay, as accurate as it is, it causes incredible confusion um, because very few therapists, and I mean less than 1%, um, 
understand our, our uh, trauma informed to the degree to understand the nature of disassociated trauma and PTSD. It's mm -hmm. disassociated. It's moved to um, our limbic system, stored in the amygdala, all sorts of biochemical, neurological um, explanations. So if you say to someone, oh, yeah, codependency attachment trauma disorder, and they go, oh, we're, uh, that's cool. And, and, and yeah, and, and, that, uh, and that pyramid is really awesome. So how do I solve it? Where do I go? And, and I say, well, no one really knows what to do with it yet. And, you know, and then I say some statement that's very frustrating is my goal is one to teach people and, and that doesn't help most people. Um, so it is so accurate to explain this as an attachment trauma disorder, but it offers very little solution because the attachment trauma is removed from one's consciousness. It's disassociated. So they can't get to it other than the outline of the, the outline memories, which I call the data memories. So it's important to label as attachment trauma disorder and then try to help someone understand the elements that can be addressed in psychotherapy or coaching because there's no way to solve attachment trauma unless you have the ability or the technique to Go get something that has resisted conscious awareness that by the, the psychological mechanics doesn't want to become conscious. So it so yes, it is, but the idea doesn't offer a lot of people um, hope if they don't know how to resolve it. So I, I just want to bring a couple of other concepts in here and then we, we can roll yeah, a little yeah. bit more. But it's yes, um, what I what I feel like you're talking about here in the um, concept, two things come to mind. The first is is, and it, and I'll pose this as a question: mm -hmm. is is this got a component, or is this a part of um, the the um, complex PTSD but very conversation? Very very, very different. Um, in my website, um, I have these full-length video seminars. Um, I don't do it anymore. One day I'm going to get back to it, but I used to travel around the United States and give these seminars to both psychotherapists and the public at large. And they were very detailed explanations. And I have one that's recorded that actually talks about trauma, trauma resolution. It's called the HITCH program. Um, and so I talk about exactly what is PTSD, what is CPTSD and why attachment trauma is different? So PTSD in the most simplistic uh, uh, simplistic explanation is it is experiencing the type of trauma that for whatever reason, a person's mind, their conscious part of their brain is unable to process because a, and, and I quote this, a, a decision, an evaluation that it would be more destructive than helpful so that for uh, protective reasons, it will take it offline, put it disassociated, put it in another part of the brain, the limbic system, specifically the amygdala, and the important parts of it will communicate to the person about what's dangerous and how to avoid it, but not the memory. 
And that is why PTSD is so debilitating because you, you can't remember that which is, is harming your life. Mm -hmm. CPTSD is or complex post-traumatic post post stress disorder <laughs> um, is, is the chronic experience of trauma, the multiple traumas that um, impact one another. There's a synergy to it. You know, if you've been raped um, as a 12-year-old and then raped um, um, and sexually abused or raped, God forbid, you know, as, as a 20-year-old, you don't have, it's not the addition of two traumas. It is, it's the, it's the interaction of them and, and it creates something bigger. And uh, CPTSD also is the inclusion of other complicating factors of other mental health issues and challenges. So it's complicated. It's mm -hmm. complex. Um, attachment trauma is not connected to events um, per se. Um, it is the whole swath of a child's developmental experience from birth, what I say, to about 17. It is the experience of trauma that for many was invisible at the time um, and certainly invisible in their memory. It's it's about being in a family during your most uh, uh, vulnerable points of your life and not being, being ignored, neglected, abused, frightened, um, your your develop your emotional development was arrested. You could not learn and grow what the brain the brain is genetically, biologically, and um, and evolutionarily. It's not a word, but I'm going to throw it out there. Is designed to need attachment in order to develop all the mental health. Um, um, abilities that are necessary in adulthood. So if you have attachment trauma, that part crushed part of your future development. And the trauma, like PTSD or CPTSD, is, is sequestered in the same place. But it's not one incident. It's not two incidences. It's a whole part of your life. So therefore, the treatment for it has to be different. It is so much bigger, so much pervasive, and, and in some ways amorphous. It doesn't have a specific shape. And so what I do in a lot of my work is try to define it so people can understand it and then hopefully get the psychotherapy they need in order to resolve it. So did that answer did that answer your question about CPTSD? It, 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 if not, yeah. please, please let me know because sometimes I you know, I can go. No, on. I, I think it's important to be able to to differentiate the pieces because these things oftentimes get um, pulled together in a way that distorts what's going on. And if we can if we can parse it out a little bit and be a mm -hmm. little more concise about what these particular things mean, because you know, as I do my research, as I am in, engaged with different people along these lines, um, I, I think it is incredibly important for people to get accurate information about exactly what the conversation is so they don't get sent down rabbit holes exactly. that they don't need to go down. Abraham Maslow said, you, um, to a man with a hammer, by the way, it's not Mark Twain, everything's Mark Twain or Albert Einstein. Mm -hmm. um, Melody Beattie um, read my first book and all th I had three sayings that she said, nope, not from, um, so 
for those who, uh, whatever, that's irrelevant. Sorry about that. So Albert, uh, um, um, to a man, Maslow said to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So in other words, if you have a conception, an idea, a theoretical point of view of how things happen, that's what you're going to see. And what you see then is going to drive what you're going to do and resolve it. So the the distinction between um, attachment trauma, PTSD, and CPTSD is important because you can't solve it if you don't understand it. And so I'm glad that you, more than any coach I know, talk about it and connect it to what makes codependents or people who are involved in these high conflict divorces get stuck. So I, I want to talk a little bit. I want to hear a little bit about what you're, you you started to move toward about this unconscious um, component to being a little bit out of reach, not having a, a component that we can actually grab a hold of. You know, Dick Schwartz talks about, you know, parts and, and those unconscious parts that are yeah, hiding because of the trauma pieces that, uh, and by the way, for, for your listeners, that's internal family systems. Right. He's brilliant and his stuff is really good to, to learn about. But please yeah. continue. And and from, from that, well, not actually from that perspective, but in, in that tone of this is unconscious and the healing, therefore, has to be approached from the back door. There's not a cognitive approach to this per se. Oh, no. I, it is impossible to get to it. You can't, okay, you can't get into a house for a back door if there's no back door. Okay. <laughs> um, and so um, you cannot get to disassociated trauma through an analysis and interventions to modify the way someone thinks, behaves, or feels in the interactions of that, which is CBT. It's mm -hmm. impossible. In fact, CBT absolutely um, fails to do anything with regard to SLDD and codependency except for elements. I mean, I use CBT, but there are elements of it. But right. by itself, it won't touch the, the trauma or the uh, the trauma elements of the problem. I, I, I so appreciate that because this, this is fundamentally at the base of perceptions for a person moving in and it, it's so blinding in its nature of something's wrong here and I can't get to it and I don't know how to get to it and what is it so what hold a second, hold a second. what um, for me and 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 your listeners or at least me at least what what do you what is blinding it's like what is so blinding and please there there there's a drop here of um, I'm in distress and I can't process where that distress is coming from. There's no point in time that I can grab a hold of and cognitively pull apart. And so many of oh, us a, are, okay, got it. are cognitively oriented. I'm hypercognitive. I want to figure this out. If I can figure this out, I can heal it. And this is not the direction here. It is a human condition to identify yourself, your ego, your perception of your total being through your thoughts and feelings. We are wired that way. Mm -hmm. That is our mind. And the problem is 
therapists, most therapists, let alone other practitioner, practitioners of healing, health, mental health, um, they rely on conscious knowledge and awareness in order to solve a problem. If you don't, if your mind purposefully, I mean, just think of someone who is a, a, a Gulf War vet. Um, um, they can't remember what happened. And should they try to remember, there's something in the background that is going to say no effing way, and it's going to push back and make them feel stressed so they don't remember it, because there is a there is the that the brain has very rudimentary uh, 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 rules. Don't remember it because you're not. It's going to hurt you. So how can you sort through your thoughts and feelings um, and self-analyze or, or or with the help of a professional analyze when that information was taken offline and impossible to get to. Therefore, someone who's in CBT, and C, by the way, CBT is a very valid form of psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. Okay, just to go there. But if someone has attachment trauma or SLDD or is struggling with some of the stuff uh, you best, best represent, um, you're depending on the conscious mind to have the information that is at the root of the problem. And if it doesn't, you're just twiddling your fingers. You're, you're a hamster in a hamster wheel. You're, you're, you think you're going forward and you're getting nowhere. So you've developed a pathway here. Absolutely. And that pathway is the self-love recovery program. It is. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that. <laughs> a little bit? That's my challenge, but I will. I'm getting better at a little bit, a little bit. Um, um, shrinking it into little bit ideas. It is a 11 stage program that is developmental. You need to go through one stage in order to get the abilities, the healing, the resolution in order to get to the next stage. And one stage leads to the success of the following. And each stage has specific challenges that have to be overcome that eventually get the person to um, stage seven, which is setting boundaries in a hostile environment, because the last thing I, um, I want to do is, and I'm going to use your terminology, have a high, high conflict divorce situation, someone in distress because um, the, the narcissist they're divorcing and everything that preceded and everything that's going on is to, is to say, well, just do it. Just be brave. You can do it. When there are so many hidden uh, amorphous, uh, in, invisible reasons behind the problem that, if not addressed, will automatically, at almost a hundred percent rate, cause failure. So, and so I move towards setting the boundaries, which could be filing for a divorce. It could be actually setting boundaries. It could be anything from um, a no contact order. Is to is to do all the preparatory work, which is. There's seven stages, very complicated. Remember, this is the short version of the answer. And then it moves to the attainment of self-love abundance. So SLDD, self-love deficit disorder, is the problem. If you um, fulfill, the, uh, if you go through this program and solve the problem at its root, remember the, tra uh, the pyramid? Attachment trauma, core yep. shame. Then the brain almost automatically reverts to what it should have been if if it had 
if, if that person was parented with unconditional love, it develops self-love. And, and then that's why I call um, my program the codependency cure. Or as, um, because once you get to that point of self-love abundance, you can't go back because all the reasons for it have been solved. I missed one part and I apologize. In these stages is the utilization of a technique that I call, and I developed called the healing the inner trauma child trauma integration technique. I'm working on a shorter title. <laughs> we call it the hitch method. Um, but, um, and that is a, a treatment technique for me to get into the person's part of the brain where the attachment trauma is stored. The limbics of the amygdala access it, that which the person is, is not healthy enough, safe enough to do it, and then bring it forward, integrate it. You know, just like EMDR, EMDR and other forms of trauma treatment. But attachment trauma is much more complicated. And then once you get that person through these stages, which includes um, the integration of the trauma, which it doesn't mean it's solved. It just means now you can talk about it and it's in front of you. And then there is a, a, it's a, a complete metamorphosis of the person from SLDD to self-love abundance. And, and, and you can't go backwards. And then from there, we get to the last stage and it's done. So it's an 11 stage program that understands the, the diversity of all of the reasons that someone uh, became an SLD and how to resolve it without depending on one type of therapy, theory or technique so that it naturally frees a person so that when they are done, this human magnet syndrome thing that also impacts healthy people, they're, they're what I call their broken picker, <laughs> mm -hmm. now works and it points in the direction of someone who's safe. And it's done as unconsciously as they, it used to when it pointed in the direction of a narcissist. Hopefully that was short. <laughs> no, no, that's good. And, and you know, like, <laughs> like so many people, I try to take this information in and, and plug it into you know, other uh, models that, that I have floating around. Oh, uh, by the way, and I'm really proud of this about myself. Um, and, and I credit my narcissistic dad. He did do some good stuff. My The way my brain works is I do much better when I integrate different explanations to explain mm -hmm. different processes. So it's not, it, it, it it's not, um, what's the word? It, it's not contradictory. It right. actually explains it. So if I had to, I could tell you that there's probably eight or nine psychological theories that influence my stuff right. and they and they all work together. And, and I'm glad that you, you see it and recognize it. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, the, these models are so they're so helpful. And when we can have these multiple pieces that we can plug in, things start to fall into place. They make more sense and we have more reference to them. And Absolutely. You know, part of part of what you're talking about, I think there, there's a couple of things that come to my mind, but you're working through something that didn't get established for these children as they were going through their development as, you know, from a from a parenting education um, paradigm as a, a look at um, 
secure attachment. It never occurred. It's really borrows, talking about theory, it borrows from the um, seminal work of John Bowlby, the father of our understanding of of, uh, attachment theory. It, it, It is as basic as if a child is attached to a parent, a, a, a monkey, um, a dog. Uh, we had a dog uh, when I was married, um, and it quit um, um, feeding its puppies. And we found out that it was abandoned when it was a child. So it passed it on to the next generation. But without, and so it's simple. Children need attachment in order to develop healthy mental health and um and abilities to navigate the challenges well would you would, would you say in that 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 is the development of a healthy nervous system that understands what being settled and secure is in a moment that allows them to process anything else that is surrounding them so yeah uh, to um the listeners and viewers um um, we, um you and i had a talk about um you know um is this a, a hardwiring thing and so this actually brings that in. Um, there is an interaction of nervous system, wiring, environment. And so a healthy, to someone who understands neuropsychology, it's too general to say a healthy nervous system um, because I think of like back pain and other stuff. But so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take what you're saying and just be a little bit more specific. Um, healthy neuropsychological function. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yes, attachment can destroy the person's quality of enhance or destroy the person's quality of their adult life. And if you get terrible, abusive, reprehensibly dangerous um, abuse, neglect, or lack of attachment, you it's going to create a personality disorder, like, for example, someone with a sociopath or someone with narcissistic personality disorder or borderline personality disorder. And there is relatively li- uh, no possibility of ever solving that. And so that so if we look at it from your nervous system model, it destroys someone's neuropsychological self and actually can be seen on an an MRI. Brains look different from a narcissist, a sociopath. um, And so we have evidence of structural changes, but those structural changes are created, those structures are created during attachment. If you feed your, I'm looking outside of my grass. If you feed your grass with fertilizer, you water it, you take out the weeds, you know, Eventually, it's going to grow into this beautiful, verdant lawn, which mine is not, um, and something to be proud of. But if you ignore it, it won't. Well, the human mind, the human brain, is what is put into it at its most critical developmental junctures or developmental junctures. And so healthy neuropsychological functioning is a is a direct result of um, interpersonal um, a person's interpersonal connection with um, caregivers who are supposed to, you know, 
love, protect, and care for them. If you don't feed your child um, essential vitamins, as an adult, they're going to have medical problems. Um, as simple as that. And so in my book on human magnet syndrome, I call it vitamin L. I, I use it as, a, um, as an analogy that if they don't get the attachment of vitamin L, they are going to um, not develop the analogous mental health structures that in adulthood are going to get make them resilient, healthy, and productive. The healthy nervous system, as you say. So, 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 that, so, so that's my brief explanation of the interaction of environment psychology, neuropsych, mm -hmm. and all that other stuff. It's it's so important. And, and again, the reason I keep trying to pull this stuff out is if people can understand this on a rudimental level, mm -hmm. um, it, it opens doors to them to start to explore things differently and to find new pathways to move. Because frankly, Ross, there's not a lot out there that is really helpful for people to, to get this movement. I mean, they've got to go searching. They've got to have some direction and they've got to have some determination in it. Right. And, and, and when we've gone through enough of this stuff and we've hit that place of I'm done, I want to heal from this. I want to change what happens next. I don't want to repeat this stuff. There's enough impetus to move into this. Right. And, and, but and you, my but question. You, but you need someone to explain what it is that's accurate that informs what to do yes that informs how to do it yes and that is what i do in my human magnet center book in fact i am rewriting the, the last and final version of it um it has every bit of information that way so then i will finally write the book which is the codependency cure on what to do but yes you were going to say something so just along those lines, so thanks for bringing that in, but along those lines, you know, the self-love recovery um, program that you, you've you got, as, as this is coming in and I'm thinking about this, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, this seems to me to be, you know, with, with the proper guidance and the proper tools, a reparenting piece, huh. a personal reparenting piece that that leads to that secure attachment to self brilliant um actually i'm going to say you're brilliant when you understand what i understand is that narcissistic <laughs> <laughs> brilliant absolutely brilliant um it's spot on um good psychotherapy that un that that embraces the psychodynamic point of view which originally is from freud but not that understands that we are who we are because of how we were raised and the influence of our parents during critical stages of development, which is also connected to attachment theory and Bowlby's work and self-psychology. It's, it's all more connected than different. Um, understands that um, attachment, that experience and attachment creates the foundation of what we feel about ourselves. When you are parented with warmth, security, love, respect, caring, you believe you are a good person independent of your mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. In fact, that's normal and healthy. But when you identify yourself as a mistake, the core shame, mm -hmm. uh, and um, then 
what I call it a relationship template is eventually crystallizes. And, and that is the, the result of the attachment trauma towards the end of the, um, of a child's uh, adolescence. It is this unconscious understanding of their worth as a person, their worth in a relationship and what to expect should they be themselves. And people who end up being SLDs or codependents that attach that relationship template is it's like a dance. They're caretakers, sacrificers to someone who's going to end up being a, as a personality disorder, pathological narcissist, care needers, selfish people, and the human magnet center brings them together. So to resolve it, you have to figure out a way to get to the trauma that has been taken offline so that you can actually heal the wounds. And it really is analogous to reparenting. It's, it's, it, it, it is teaching the person that they are inherently lovable just because they are, that, that mistakes are not indications of what's wrong with them. It's exactly what I do to my son and well, have been doing, still, still do it. He's 29. And, and, and so that he walks around unconsciously thinking, well, I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. He, it's, he doesn't know it's because that was shown to him when he was a child. So you cannot consciously reparent re an SLD directly because all of the information, all the reasons that make them not love themselves, self-love deficient is offline. So you have to actually, and that's why I call my trauma technique healing the inner trauma child. So I conceptualize it as you have to find the child. And so the trauma is locked away in your limbic system in what I call pristine 3D videos. It's, it's metaphors and analogies, but it really is that way once you get to it. And you are actually finding the, the memories that are of the child who stopped feeling safe and secure and his hopes to be loved disappeared. You get to that child and somehow through this approach, you convince the child. And it's actually more real than it sounds symbolic that it's okay. The, the, the adult client will take care of them. You, you move that forward. You integrate it. Then the person starts to love themselves and that healing process becomes self-perpetuating like an adult who had good attachment. So I believe, and a lot of other therapists, especially if they're more psychodynamic aligned, is mm -hmm. that good psychotherapy is a form of reparenting. And so to that to that degree, you're spot on. I, I want to have this conversation over and over and expand on it. We're kind of running out of time here, but <laughs> but I'm enjoying it too. And yeah, it time flies when you're having fun. The 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 piece of the um what what I what I'd like to kind of bring out as as we wind this down a little bit, Ross, is you know, this attachment hunger that comes with the SLD. Mm -hmm if you will, is the hook that so many of the people that I work with get drawn into, you know, that narcissistic um, uh, SLDD complex, if you will, yeah. that, that happens. And I can coach them through what to do. You know, you talk about 
you know, disengagement, setting boundaries, all of this stuff. But again, I, I, I look at it in, a, in from a little different model, and we can talk about that at another time. But but essentially, it's what you're talking about. It, it's, it's a preparation. It is a it's a graduation of things that we get more competent with as we set these boundaries. And those boundaries are so incredibly important. But when that attachment hunger is so hard and we haven't done our personal work in that, the perpetuation of the conflict, even though you are separated, continues because of the collapse that lack of stability into being able to hold those boundaries and 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 not just have this gut-wrenching knot every time that you do it and go to the place of well maybe it's easier if i just let it go it's and and again to our listeners part of the reason that i wanted to have you in this is wait wait wait, wait. before you do that uh, I, I i it's really important that i say something so to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And your hammer is a really, really solid, functional tool that helps a lot. My hammer is, is, is different because of my point of view. So what you're saying is accurate from your point of view, but I want to use the term, I want to use it. It's not attachment hunger, according to my frame of reference. Okay, good. It, it is it is the, um, the, the avoidance of pathological loneliness, the feeling that when you are alone, no one loves you. It's this ache, this pain that you are floating unknown in the universe that you fear you'll die and no one will care. Pathological loneliness. It's the avoidance of that pain. And the only way that pain goes away, it doesn't really, but the way uh, that's, is to be in a relationship. So it goes to the addiction. So, if you resolve whatever is the cause of these problems, say in, in my and say we're using my model SLDD, you are not satisfying a hunger. You are creating self-love abundance, which has no hunger for attachment. It has hunger to do things that promote self-love and a relationship of mutually loving and respecting self-love abundant people. There's no attachment hunger. So you can't really resolve attachment hunger by it directly, which is why I'm a psychotherapist and you're a coach. So what you do is remarkable considering your background. And I mean it, I'm, I'm not just trying to like get on your good side or try to get invited again. It really is remarkable. Well, thanks for, thanks for um, clarifying that a little bit. Um, let's go ahead and close this. We're going to do this again, Ross, if, if love, you're up for it at, at some point. But um, it, I have an idea. How about if I invite you on my podcast and we'll continue to do the same thing? Because even if it's on my podcast and you're asking me questions, I'm getting out the same important information to my to my folks. So one way or another, yes, let's do this again. But please uh, continue. Well, I'd love that. So can you just real briefly, and I will put this in my my show notes as well, um, how people can get more of your information, where they can go and how they can get this? Because again, there's so much here that I want 
our listeners to grab a hold of because this is walking the razor's edge through the eye of the needle in order to heal ourselves and move things forward. Wow. I'm going to have to contemplate walking the razor's edge in the eye of the needle. That that sounds like that that's a really good uh, way to, to phrase it. Okay. First of all, product placement for YouTube videos. Here's the cover of the book, The Human Magnet Center. Um, everything starts with that information. Um, my website that has almost everything about me is selfloverecovery.com. My YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ross Rosenberg. My podcast, just put in self-love recovery podcast or just Google my name. Um, and people will find what they most need because um, I do different things and I focus on different things and it's not always the same part of this process. It could be, um, and so, and they could, uh, so thank you for having me on your show. Do we call it a show? Your podcast. Uh, uh, thank you for having me on your podcast because I think it's like one of the most fluent conversations I've ever had with anyone about what is the problem. And so I'm grateful for it. And I hope that I'm able to help your community. And I certainly know that your work will be able to help mine. So thank you, everybody, for coming in, spending another hour or so with us. And this has been episode 265, Breaking Free, Understanding Codependency, SLDD, Narcissistic Abuse, and Gaslighting with Ross Rosenberg. Thank you again, Ross. You're, you're welcome and my pleasure.